Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sportsbeat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Live streams available as we speak at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. We also have a live video stream available on the Twitch app. Eight minutes after 5 o'clock on a sunny Tuesday, August the 30th of 2022 in downtown South Bend, Indiana. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board here on WSBT Radio. It's a game week for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Coming up Saturday night from the Horseshoe in Columbus, number five, Notre Dame, a 17-and-a-half-point underdog, will take on number two, Ohio State. The Buckeyes, big expectations. They're talking national championship in Columbus. The Fighting Irish looking to go to Columbus and shock the heck out of everybody as the spread for this game has continued to rise from 10 this summer now to 17 and a half. Remarkable. That's a lot of points. We'll be talking Notre Dame football throughout the program. We're on the air until 640. Coming up at 530, Spencer Holbrook. He is the on three Buckeyes beat reporter at Letterman Row. He'll join us to offer the Ohio State perspective for this matchup against Notre Dame. Twitter question of the day has to do with Notre Dame football in the postseason this year. We have our My 5 question of the day. Five things to know about this week's opponent, Ohio State. We have Mike Singer here to talk Notre Dame football recruiting at 6.07. Mike is the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Also, sports wagering talk coming up later on in the 6 o'clock hour. And we'll try to jam in a couple of thoughts from week zero last weekend in college football. That and more coming up over the next hour and a half here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, tonight's first pitch. Will the dog bite Ohio State? The dog being the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. As I just mentioned, a whopping 17-and-a-half-point underdog at Ohio State Saturday night. Fighting Irish have always been a double-digit underdog since this game was posted. But a few months ago, if you wanted Ohio State, you had to give up 10. Now it's 17 and a half. 
And despite, I would assume, some decent Notre Dame money coming in, the number is not going in the other direction. Back toward Notre Dame, it continues to head closer to 20. Now, it's not going to get there, but I didn't think it would get to 17 and a half. Well, Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman, of course, played linebacker at Ohio State. Earlier this summer was on ESPN. He was asked about, at that time, Notre Dame being a 13-and-a-half-point underdog to Ohio State. He told the ESPN crew he hoped the number would continue to go up. Well, Marcus, you got your wish. It's gone up four points since you made that statement. Well, yesterday, Marcus Freeman, during his Monday weekly press conference, was asked about being a 17-and-a-half-point underdog and would he use that number as motivation for his football team, especially after spending some time with former Notre Dame head coach Lou Holtz this summer. Well, I didn't know that I'm going to write that down. You said 17 and a half points, right? We'll use that in the team meeting today, you know. Um, it's good to know. You know, I haven't paid much attention to the spread, but I remember that one time we were on college game day, I said just keep making go up and up, you know, and uh, – no, Coach Holtz has been a great resource for me just to, again, the, the best exam, the, to me, the best thing I got from Coach Holtz wasn't what he said, was the ability to go with him to the Holtz's Heroes Dinner and see the way his former players embraced him. And uh, for me, that's what it's about. It's about being their head coach longer than just three, four, or five years. It's being their head coach for the longevity of their life. And, and that's why I do it, you know. A part of that is, is winning games. A part of that is winning championships because that's what they want. That's what they aspire. That's what they – that's why I'm here. I mean, they hire you to win games, but at the end of the day, I hope to be these guys' head coach for, for a long time, and it's much longer than the time we spend together at Notre Dame. Pretty cool comments right there from Notre Dame head football coach Marcus Freeman. Now, did he know the spread? Who knows? But he wrote it down. He said he was going to bring it up in the team meeting yesterday. I'm sure he did. You know the players know. It's hard to miss it. If you're on social media, if you're still attached to social media, you're going to see it along the way. And players are going to talk. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if captains didn't say it to other members of the team. Just to kind of poke everybody a little bit. Not that they need extra motivation, but a little extra poke doesn't hurt. Now, recent history is not on the side of the Fighting Irish. Since 2000, Notre Dame has been a double-digit underdog 27 times. The Irish's record straight up in those 27 games when they were double-digit underdogs? Four and 23. The four victories, 2002 at Florida State, Notre Dame was getting 10 points that day. 2004, they beat Michigan at Notre Dame Stadium as a 10-point underdog. Then that year, going to the Rose Bowl, winless, 2007 Notre Dame, a 21-point underdog to UCLA. And the fourth occasion was a big one in the Brian Kelly regime. 2012, Notre Dame went to Norman, Oklahoma. 10-point underdog, and they beat the Oklahoma Sooners on their way to getting to the national championship game that year. Those are the four occasions since 2000 where Notre Dame has been an underdog of 10 or more points since 2000. They are 4-23. and 23. Fortunately, outside of big playoff games, Notre Dame has not been a double-digit underdog that much since 2017. The Irish have been the double-digit favorite on a lot of occasions. So for the Fighting Irish, how does the dog bite Ohio State? couple of things come to mind. Number one, 
This is obvious. This will hold true for every football game the Irish play this year. They have to be able to control the line of scrimmage. They have to be able to run the football. You don't run it. You don't control the clock. You don't control the pace. Ohio State's offense could get away from you. So Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Tyler Buckner, that Irish offensive line, fingers crossed that Jared Patterson will go at left guard. Coming off the foot sprain, supposed to practice this week. We will hear from Marcus Freeman once again Thursday at noon. And we might get a further update on the status of the Irish All-American. Another thing that needs to happen for the dog to bite Ohio State. How efficient can Tyler Buckner be throwing the football? And let's break it down even further. Is he going to be able to be a quarterback that can consistently make a play in the passing game on third down? Can he keep the sticks moving? But let me add on to that. I think there's going to be a feeling that Notre Dame is going to want to run the football effectively in every football game, and they may come into contests wanting to run the football right off the bat. What about Tyler Buckner throwing on first down a little play action? Can he hurt the opposition with his arm? We know what he can do with his legs, but I can't wait to see his passing skills in this game against Ohio State. If you can tell me Buckner is going to be Highly efficient throwing the football. If he can be something like an Ian Book, they've got a better chance than I think they have right now. First time starter, 30 plus passing attempts in his collegiate career. That's why I'm a little nervous about Saturday. One of the reasons why I'm nervous about Saturday. But if Buckner can be kind of an Ian Book type quarterback, then. Hey, game on in Columbus. For the dog to bite Ohio State, wide receivers taking advantage of opportunities with all eyes on All-American tight end Michael Mayer. You can't double-team everybody. You can double-team Michael Mayer. You can play zone. But there are going to be times where Notre Dame's going to have man-on-man, and you've got to win some battles. Braden Lindsey, Jaden Thomas, Lorenzo Styles, Joe Wilkins, probably Chris Tyree will be out there at times lined up to the outside. Supposedly, Ohio State's defensive line is a lot better. They've got some star players up front. But let's see if those wide receivers can get separation quickly so that defensive line doesn't get to know Tyler Buckner early on in this football game. And on the other side of the coin, the dog can bite Ohio State if C.J. Stroud doesn't have time to throw the football. He doesn't run. Ohio State's offensive line does a pretty good job of protecting him. He's got wide receivers that are proven at getting open and catching the football and then tucking the football under and making a big play. Adam Iola. Bosky, Mills, Cross, Lacey. Is there going to be enough pressure to get C.J. Stroud out of his rhythm? That would go a long way in the dog taking a bite out of the Buckeyes. Something you always worry about in the first game, tackling and special teams. You don't tackle as much as you used to in fall practice, although it sure seems like Notre Dame was pretty physical in this fall camp. Can Notre Dame come out of the gate and tackle effectively? And special teams, that's one area of a football team that sometimes doesn't get all the attention necessary in fall camp. How ready is Notre Dame on special teams to make a difference in this game? It feels like Notre Dame needs to win special teams. And finally, for the dog to take a bite out of Ohio State, Notre Dame's corners have to stay confident. 
Ohio State is going to make plays in the passing game. It's going to happen. You just hope it's not as many as you fear. It's easy to lose confidence as a corner. Clarence Lewis coming off the tough, tough Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. Even great corners have tough moments. They have to overcome. These guys will be challenged by Smith and Jigba, Harrison Jr. I mean, they lost two high-end wide receivers, and they are still loaded at wide receiver. It's just incredible, the riches they have in Columbus. So, will the dog bite Ohio State? I mentioned several things right there. Ohio State's defense has something to prove to the Buckeye fan base. I think every Buckeye fan isn't the least bit worried about the offense. It should pick up where they left off in that miraculous comeback in Pasadena against the Utah Utes. I mean, that was a fun college football game. Not so fun for Utah fans in the second half, but, man, Ohio State put the pedal to the metal on offense, and they were not going to be denied that win at the Rose Bowl. But defensively, Jim Knowles can't tackle anybody, can't break up a pass, can't collect a sack. His job is try to make this group better than it was last year, and it probably is a group that cost them a playoff berth last year. They couldn't slow down their rival Michigan at the Big House, leading to their winning streak being halted by the Maize and Blue. So for the dog to bite Ohio State, the Buckeye defense is kind of like what they were last year. Once again, game on in Columbus. If Buckner is good and Ohio State's defense is scuffling, we can have something very interesting unfolding in Columbus Saturday night. But if the Ohio State defense is better and Buckner is a little off his game throwing the football, then it's going to be a tough night for the Irish. They're going to have to overcome some things, figure out a way to stay close going into the fourth quarter and have a chance to steal this victory from Ohio State. All eyes are going to be on this game. There's going to be a lot of recruits at the horseshoe for this game. A lot of possible Ohio State players of the future at this game. Many of those players have a Notre Dame offer as well. You're going to make your college choice based on what is your best fit academically as a football player, the relationships you have with the coaching staff. The outcome of this game is going to be way down the line in trying to decide what school you're going to go to. Now, if one team or the other wins 42 to nothing, then that's a little different story. You can pitch to a kid, you know what? We lost this game 42 to nothing, but we need you. That's why we lost. We don't have you, but that can only go so far. Notre Dame, in the eyes of Vegas and the national perspective, Notre Dame is supposed to lose this game, and they're supposed to lose this game by a couple of touchdowns. They're not supposed to be competitive in this football game. Nobody likes victories from losses. If you keep it close, might catch the attention of some recruits, and it's not going to be a negative. You get blown out then, maybe it has some small effect, but you can overcome that. Marcus Freeman's first regular season game as Notre Dame head coach. You're a 17.5-point underdog. You're supposed to lose. You're supposed to lose big. You know what? Just go wing it. Go have fun. Just play. Because you're not supposed to be in this game anyway, according to most expectations. We'll find out Saturday night at 7.30. The Fighting Irish and the Ohio State Buckeyes. We've got Legacy Heating Air Game Day with Tim Growl from 2 to 4 with special guests throughout the two-hour program here on WSBT Radio. I'll be hosting Game Day Sports Beat from 4 until 6.30. I'll tell you about my new co-host on Wednesday. Notre Dame National Pre-Game Show at 6.30, kickoff at 7.30. Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks break it all down on the official Notre Dame football post-game show after the game here on WSBT Radio. Spencer Holbrook. 
covers Ohio State football for on3.com, joins me next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 531 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchett with you, joined by Spencer Holbrook. He covers Ohio State football for the On3 platform, Letterman Row, and he's going to offer Ohio State perspective on the top five showdown in Columbus Saturday night, 7.30 kick right here on WSBT Radio. Spencer, thank you so much for your time. Great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You bet. Let's start with the Ohio State defense because, Spencer, based on what I've read and, and some of your writing as well, this Ohio State offense could have won a national championship last year, but the defense just wasn't good enough, including in that game against Michigan. They bring in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Obviously, you haven't seen Ohio State play a game yet, but based on the intel you're getting and based on what you see in practice, are you expecting Ohio State to be able to take some big steps forward in this first game, taking on Notre Dame? Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, you know Jim Knowles has said it the last couple of times we've talked to him, including today. This defense is, as he said today, 100% ready. Um, and I think that the install of his system is further along than he was probably even expecting it to be at this point um, in his tenure at Ohio State. But the bottom line is they paid him $1.9 million a year to come in and, and correct everything that went wrong the last two years. This is a program that's had the offense to win a national championship in each of the last two seasons and a defense that just simply could not hold up. And uh, on the national stage against better opponents and particularly in that run game where they got gashed by Oregon, they got gashed by Michigan, um, they, they just simply weren't good enough. And, and to bring in a guy like Jim Knowles, to not only revamp the defense, but kind of the identity of, of the way Ohio State traditionally has played defense uh, as a program over, you know, the, the tradition and the history of this program. It, they're kind of going in a different direction now, and, and the, the results seem to be uh, already popping up in practice. Now, as Ryan Day said a couple times, the proof will be in the pudding, but, mm-hmm. but all signs point to this defense being ready to go because they simply can't waste another offense like they have the last two years. Spencer, I get the sense that one of the biggest improvements on this Ohio State defense is going to be the defensive line. And that's intriguing because I think the Fighting Irish are very confident in their physical offensive line. They've got a lot of experience coming back along the offensive line. So I think this is going to be a fun matchup in this particular ball game. Ohio State was 25th in the country in run defense last year at 127 yards per game. And I think we're expecting here in South Bend, Notre Dame is going to want to establish the run. They're going to try to control clock and play keep away from C.J. Stroud. How ready is Ohio State's run defense for a physical offensive line and probably a physical running back that hasn't really been seen in Audric Estime? Yeah, it's interesting because the last time we saw Ohio State in a regular season game, they were being called a finesse bunch instead of hmm. a physical bunch by by Michigan, and, and I, I promise you, and I, you know, they, they have taken that comment and made it one of the calling cards of the offseason. Um, they, they were basically told they weren't physical enough last year, and uh, this offseason they kind of took that message and, and made it into a little bit of a, a rallying cry to, to get more physical, to get more aggressive, to get more willing to, to close those gaps and plug those holes in the running game. And that's not to say that they're not revamping what they're doing, you know, through the air. But I think, you know, when we talk about the matchup of Ohio State's defense versus Notre Dame's offense, everyone knows what that what that storyline is going to be. Run the ball, get the ball to Michael Mayer. Can you can you stop the run if you're Ohio State? Can you stop Michael Mayer if you're Ohio State? Those are the absolute two keys. And uh, uh, Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach for Ohio State, said two weeks ago he he expects. 12 guys could play on this defensive line. That's a deep, talented unit that has three former five-star defensive ends. It's got a couple guys on the interior that, that were really, really highly rated and did a bunch of top 100s. Um, and the recruiting rankings don't mean everything, especially when, when the ball, you know, when toe meets leather. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of experience there. And, and I think they're going to take a step forward because if nothing else, they were called soft last year and, and they, 
they know that they can't be that way again this year. On 3.com, Buckeyes beat reporter Spencer Holbrook, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Letterman Row is the name of the website covering Ohio State athletics. On the offensive side of the football, my heavens, <laughs> you lose two high-end wide receivers. And Spencer, I feel like I know you're going to miss them, but at the same time, they don't even feel missed with the guys you have still on the field, including Marvin Harrison Jr., who's one heck of a backup last year, now into a starter's role. Just how much quality and how much depth does Ohio State have at the receiver positions? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to to overstate how many different weapons they have in that receiver room. And I'm actually of the opinion that, that after losing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, this receiving core has a chance to be better as wow. far as just top-end talent. Oh. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if you try, if you try to tell me someone else is better than him in the country, I, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to argue. It's, he's just simply so good. You know, 1,606 yards last year, 95 catches. Um, everyone knows what happened in the Rose Bowl. You better have a plan to stop him. And if you try to bracket him, double him, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is at 6'4 and, and is a physical freak. You've got Emeka Buka, who was the number one receiver in his class in the 2021 class. You've got Julian Fleming, who was the 2020 number one receiver. You know, we, we could talk about that that talent all day. At the, at the end of the day, they're going to roll out three or four guys onto the field at a time who were all really, really, really highly highly skilled, highly recruited, and highly touted guys who, you know, as long as number seven's back there, he's going to be able to get him the ball because he's precise, he's accurate, he's on time, uh, he's on point. Um, he, he looks like he's had a better offseason. He looks like he's going to, going to have a better season this year than he did last year. Um, this passing attack has a chance to be, um, you know, I'm not going to say historic because mm-hmm. historic would mean that 2019 LSU team that obviously had all those weapons. But, you know, I, if you tell me that it would rival that, that unit, I'm not going to be surprised just because of all of it. And that's, that's a lot of, like, you know, people ask them if that's hyperbolic or anything. But you look at the talent level with a five-star back like Travion Henderson who had 1,000 yards last year, like, there's no reason to think this offense can't do what those historically great offenses have done when you look at all the talent that they have around it in the offensive line. So that's a long way to say, yeah, these receivers, I'm never not amazed by the, the room that Brian Hartline's put together at Ohio State. Spencer, as you think back to last year, was there any opponent against this Ohio State offense that did something that really affected quarterback C.J. Stroud? Was there any opponent that – yeah, um, Michigan really affected C.J. I think he was a little rattled during that game. First of all, he was sick. Yeah. Um, and that's not to make an excuse for Ohio State losing, but C.J. was was pretty ill. after He could barely talk after the game. He, he, was, he was pretty ill. Um, but when you have two ge- – generational when it comes to, you know, the talent level in Michigan, generational is the way to describe those defensive ends. If you can get to the quarterback, you can rattle him a little bit, and you could last year. Um, does Notre Dame have two defensive ends that, that can get to him with regularity and make him uncomfortable at every point, whether he's on the run, whether he's in the pocket, can CJ be uncomfortable? Um, that, that also relies on Paris Johnson and, and Dewan Jones, two really outstanding offensive tackles, uh, you know, not doing their jobs. And so if there was one opponent on defense that, that really rattled Ohio State, I would say it's Michigan just because they kind of limited what Ohio State was able to do in that passing game. Did the snow affect that? Maybe that was kind of a weird weather atmosphere. Um, you won't have that on Saturday on the on the new turf at Ohio Stadium. But, yeah, if, if you can replicate what Michigan did last year to rattle CJ, um, you, you've got a chance to slow this offense down a little bit. But that's not an easy thing to do, and you've got to have two really high-level defensive ends to be able to get it done. One thing about Stroud, he doesn't run a whole lot. 32 rushes last year, and as, as we all know, sacks count against rushing totals in college football. Is he a guy that could take off and run if he was needed to? I mean, I'm assuming these receivers are so wide open, his protection is good, there's really oftentimes no reason to think about running. Yeah, but the thing about CJ that's interesting is he he has the capabilities. His true freshman season at Michigan State uh, in mop-up duty, he had a 70-yard touchdown run, and he was running away from safeties and corners, making them look like they were linebackers. Hmm. So, like, he has the speed and the ability he's, he, to do it. And to, to top it off, he's the fastest he's ever been, according to the strength and conditioning program coaches and, and CJ himself. Uh, he has all the ability to do it. It's just whether he needs to or whether he you know, really wants to. There was a time last year where I did feel like he didn't particularly want to run, whether, whether that had to do with the shoulder that was lingering from mm-hmm. early season when he missed the game, whether that had to do with uh, you know just being uncomfortable as a first-time starter. 
he has the capability to take off and use his legs. And uh, one time he did it last year when he needed to was a touchdown run against Michigan. And of course he got called back for holding. So, you know, the one time he actually did it, (laughs) it it was all for naught. But he definitely has that, that in his arsenal. I just don't know if he needs to pull it out very often. I think he'll be a more willing runner this year as a captain, as somebody who, you know, as a tone setter is going to lower his shoulder if he has to. I could see him doing that a little more, um, but but he's not going to do it if he doesn't have to, and, and these receivers make it so he doesn't have to very often. Spencer, is there a weakness on this Ohio State offense? Is there anything you can point to that's a question mark going into the season? I would say just the unknown of a couple first-time starters on that offensive line, but, but the fact is that they named their starting offensive line in, in March, uh, so they've really gelled together for a really long time. It's not been any question mark. Um, maybe you could look at running back depth if, if Trayvon Henderson goes down, and, and then you've got Mayan Williams and a true freshman. Um, the tight ends are all pretty unproven. Jeremy Ruckert gone after last year. He's with the New York Jets now and having a really nice preseason. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe it's tight end, maybe it's running back depth, uh, but you know they replaced a five-year starter on the offensive line with a five-star top 10 overall player in the country for his class, uh, Donovan Jackson at guard. You know, you, your new left tackle is a, was a top five player in the country in, in Paris Johnson, who's expected to be, you know, an All-American. So there's not particularly a weakness. Maybe if you ask me about the defense, I'd have a different answer. But if you're looking for weaknesses on this offense, you are going to be, you know, splitting hairs uh, multiple times over trying to find exactly how, how this offense is, is considered weak. My guest is Spencer Holbrook on 3.com. Letterman Row, Ohio State beat reporter, covers this Buckeye football program. Many believe the team outside of an SEC squad that has the best chance to win a national championship. And I might ask you that coming up in just a second. But first, being in the Big Ten, Brandon Joseph is one heck of a safety that came to Notre Dame from Northwestern, was a dynamic freshman, Spencer, with eight interceptions, had a good year last year, maybe not spectacular. Ohio State is familiar with Brandon Joseph. What are your recollections of Notre, or Notre Dame, Ohio State going up against Brandon Joseph? Yeah, it's kind of funny that you say that. I just remember uh, Justin Fields throwing an interception in that uh, slog of a Big Ten championship <laughs> game back in 2020. Uh, Ohio State couldn't throw the ball to save a life, and they had to rely on a record-breaking performance by Trey Sermon just to win a Big Ten title over a a scrappy Northwestern team, but obviously, I mean, it was very apparent who the best player on that roster, that Northwestern roster was. And it was Brandon Joseph. I think, I think he was the one who had the one-handed interception against Fields there in the end zone, um, which which was just one of the great plays that you'll see a defender make. Uh, but he's a great player, and, and C.J. Stroud definitely has the ability to look off safeties and, and make them second guess where they are in, on the field and in their coverage. But if there's one guy, maybe on the entire Ohio State schedule, as far as defensively that's going to present some problems with C.J. Stroud. I would say it is Brandon Joseph just because of, of his ability to ma- manipulate a quarterback to, to to diagnose what's going to happen and be in the right spot at the right time. And so, you know, that's one area of emphasis. If C.J. Stroud is going to have a better year this year, he's got to be better against those safeties. And, and Brandon Joseph presents a really good challenge for him in week one. Spencer, Notre Dame is bringing a first-time starting quarterback to run the offense at the Horseshoe a defense with a new defensive coordinator, wide receiving core that I think at this point we have question marks about. What is your perspective on this Notre Dame football team that's coming to Ohio State? I think that it's, you know, there's a recipe for a win. If you're Notre Dame, it's, it's defense running the ball, uh, timely play action or, or timely passes, and maybe a Tyler Buckner surprise run. Um, you know, I've seen Ohio State take on a top five team before Clemson in 2019, where Ohio State was was dominating that game, and, and Trevor Lawrence got loose and ran for a touchdown. I'm not comparing Tyler Buckner to Trevor Lawrence, but mm-hmm. if, you know, the quarterback run could be a new factor in this. Um, but I think that that's the recipe there for this Notre Dame team is just, you know, control the ball, keep it out of C.J. Stroud's hand, limit big plays, and and hope that things break for you right in the second half if you keep it close. Um, I, I think this is a really talented Notre Dame team. I wonder. Um, if you start to see the the recruiting rankings play out mm-hmm. into the third and fourth quarter, as we have before, when you when you talk about playing, you know some of those top level opponents that Notre Dame has played, um, and and you just wonder how how long it, it takes before Ohio State maybe takes control, especially in a night game, a hostile environment, week one of the season. Um, 
But I, I, I'm not going to discount this team at all. I think it's a really talented squad that, that will compete for a playoff spot, whether it loses to Ohio State or beats Ohio State. I know Notre Dame at Ohio State seems like more than ever going head-to-head in a lot of recruiting wars. Marcus Freeman is pushing the envelope a whole lot more in recruiting circles than Brian Kelly did. Can you put into perspective how big of a recruiting day it will be for Ohio State with Notre Dame in town? This is the biggest recruiting weekend for Ohio State since 2016's Michigan game when it was number two versus number three and everything was on the line. Um, I don't. I think everybody at Ohio State would actually agree with that. And you know, you add the little layer, and I don't want to rub it in the faces of Notre Dame. You add the, the layer of Keon Keeley's official visit to Ohio State sure. this weekend. You add, you add in the, the 2024. Uh, two, four, five-star safeties coming into town, a bunch of offensive linemen that, that Ohio State needs to, to make an impression on. Um, you know, just the, the list goes on and on. They, Ohio State actually had to start to limit how many recruits could come because they were just simply running out of, <laughs> of, of you know, recruit, of passes and, and tickets for games and, and things like that. This game is the biggest recruiting event at Ohio State, again, since 2016, and that's, a, that's saying a lot because, you know, they hosted Oklahoma State and or Oklahoma in 2017. They hosted Oregon last year. They've, they've played Michigan once at home since then in 2018. But, but this is definitely at the top of the list. If you talk about recruiting events at Ohio State, um, they're going to roll out the red carpet for that 7.30 kick on Saturday night, and, and the recruits are going to be able to see exactly what the horseshoe is about. The size of this weekend, does that include Bronny James possibly being there? Uh, unconfirmed. He's rumored to be potentially visiting unconfirmed, but, uh, if, if his dad wants in the stadium, I have a hard time thinking Ohio State's going to turn that man away. Yeah, I think there's absolutely no doubt about that. Well, this is going to be interesting, Spencer. Two top five teams, Notre Dame, Ohio State, iconic programs meeting to kick off a brand new season. Before I let you go, I just want to get your initial thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. And do you expect eventually the Big Ten to get to 20 teams? And will Notre Dame be one of those teams? Um, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten I think is good for the league. I don't think it's good for college football. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty blunt when I say that. I, I just think that all this expansion and, and movement is, is not good for the sport. Centralizing it is a – is going to have the the opposite effect of you know getting more people interested because the power is going to continue to centralize um, with certain teams and certain leagues. But you know, is, is Notre Dame going to be in that? Well, it's up to Jack Swarbrick. I mean, he he Notre Dame should have joined the Big Ten a long time ago, in my opinion. But but the pride of being independent is something that goes with the tradition of the program. I, I mm-hmm. guess that's what they want to do. Um, I'd have a hard time turning away a hundred million dollar payday. And if I was the Big Ten, I would tell USC and and Purdue and Indiana and Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State, those schools that, that Notre Dame loves facing off against, hey, Notre Dame doesn't want in the league. We're not going to be playing them. That's that's what I would do personally, and I would put the onus on Notre Dame to either join the league mm-hmm. or the invite will never happen again, and, and you won't be able to play your rivals like Michigan and, and USC and Michigan State. But, you know, that's coming from an Ohio State perspective. Obviously, there's some scarlet-colored glasses there, everybody at Ohio State. Sure. And around the program would love for Notre Dame to be in the league because it would add value. Um, but if Notre Dame still sees a path to be independent and get into the college football playoff as an independent and not have to worry about being in a conference and, and being one piece of a 16-team pie, then that's on Notre Dame. But I, I just think that you know, if there is one move in conference realignment that would help a lot of different factions, it would be Notre Dame to the Big Ten. And that just that's something that I don't think Notre Dame is interested in. And as long as they can stay independent, I think they will be independent. He is Spencer Holbrook on 3.com, Buckeyes beat reporter. Check out his work at Letterman Row. A lot of coverage, of course, on this matchup, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Spencer, really appreciate your time and your insight on this matchup. Can't wait for Saturday night, and I know you'll have a front row seat for this particular matchup. Thank you so much for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to be in that stadium on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be rocking, no doubt. Spencer, take care. Thank you. Thank you. That is Spencer Holbrook.
Letterman Row is the name of the website, on3.com. They cover all things Ohio State in the same family as Blue and Gold Illustrated, who covers Fighting Irish football. In fact, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, will join me in the 6 o'clock hour to talk some Notre Dame football recruiting. 5.50 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser, the kid. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 555 at WSBT. Yesterday's Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. What are your emotions heading into Notre Dame season opener at Ohio State on Saturday? Your four choices. Confident Notre Dame wins. Choice number two, Notre Dame will be competitive. Number three, Ohio State will have to play a poor game. And number four, Notre Dame has little chances of winning. We asked you to vote over the last 24 hours on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here are the results. Fourth in the voting, 10.2% of the vote. Confident Notre Dame wins the game. Third in the voting at 13.6%. Ohio State will have to play a poor game in order for Notre Dame to win. Second in the voting, 28%. Notre Dame has little chance to win the football game. And winning our vote from yesterday, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. Your emotion heading into Notre Dame season opener at Ohio State on Saturday, 48.3% believe that Notre Dame at the very least will be competitive against Ohio State. We thank you for all the votes. Interesting results. And we move to today's question. Notre Dame football's postseason will be fill in the blank. Your three choices. Number one. Notre Dame football's postseason will be in the college football playoffs. Choice number two, Notre Dame football's postseason will be at a New Year's Six Bowl game. And your final choice, Notre Dame football's postseason will be at a regular old bowl game. We would love your input. We would love for you to vote right now. Tonight, tomorrow, whenever, go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat and vote on today's question. Notre Dame football's postseason will be in the playoffs, in a New Year's Six Bowl game, or in a regular bowl game. We'll have the results for you tomorrow and another question ready to go on Wednesday. Well, coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer. We've got the My 5 question of the day, five things to know about Ohio State. Sports wagering, week zero in college football, all coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish. And Saturday night's matchup with the Buckeyes, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. 5-5 rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It would be nice if we heard Paul Burmeister with a play-by-play here on WSBT Radio Saturday night calling a Notre Dame kickoff return for a touchdown, maybe by Chris Tyree. That would be a nice boost for a Notre Dame team that is a heavy underdog going to the horseshoe. It is the 100th anniversary of Ohio Stadium, so some extra juice in the building with this being the 100th year. And you get Notre Dame, Ohio State to kick off the 100th year of that iconic building. Not too bad from an Ohio State perspective. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Tuesday being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. 
the king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. We've got a sports wagering segment coming up before the end of the hour. We also have a conversation with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer to talk Notre Dame football recruiting. But right now at 612, here comes the My Five. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today's question, five things to know about Saturday's opponent, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, the Buckeyes have been around a long time and in season openers, pretty dominant, 115, 12, and 4. I mentioned in our Sports Center update, this is only the third time the season opener for the Buckeyes, they'll take on a top five opponent. The great Woody Hayes had 28 season openers for the Buckeyes. And Woody actually lost four of the 12 all-time losses on the opening game. Woody went 23-4-1. The last time Ohio State lost a season opener, it was last century. 1999, losing to the Miami Hurricanes. Four! Things to know about Ohio State? Well, you know all about quarterback C.J. Stroud, Spencer Holbrook of the Buckeyes on 3.com site. Join me in the 5 o'clock hour. Offered a really good perspective on this Buckeye team, including their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He doesn't run very often, doesn't need to because of the great offensive line play in the passing game. Receivers get open. You watch an Ohio State game, It feels like they have more wide receivers running free more than any other team in the country except maybe Alabama. It's remarkable. Now, Spencer did mention that Stroud has a 70-yard touchdown run in his past. That was a long time ago, though. Doesn't run a whole lot. He does his job letting a rip from the pocket. Last year, 4,435 yards for Stroud. Completed 71% of his passes. 44 touchdown strikes, only six interceptions. 32 rushes for minus 20 yards. Keep in mind, sacks go toward the rushing numbers. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Five things to know about Ohio State. Number three last year. Teams... We're able to run a little bit on Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes ended up 25th nationally at 127.8 rushing yards allowed per game. But Michigan did a really good job offensively against Ohio State. They could run the ball. And the one game they lost at home last year was to Oregon. And Oregon pushed around Ohio State's front. The Ducks ran it right at the Buckeyes' defense. And that was an uh uh-oh moment for Buckeye fans watching how Oregon ran the football so effectively against their beloved Buckeyes. Oregon and their wacky uniforms, 38 rushes against Ohio State at the Horseshoe last year for 269 yards. They scored three rushing touchdowns in a seven-point victory. Hello, Audric Estime. Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, the Irish offensive line, Harry Easton, Tommy Reese, everybody. Boy, if you could get anywhere close to those numbers, wow. I'll take the 17 and a half points and laugh all the way to the bank. But the vibe out of Ohio State fall camp is their defensive line is a whole lot better. 
full of five stars. It should be one of the most improved parts of the football team. If that's the case, then probably 269 is a pipe dream. But still, Notre Dame's got to find a way to run the football. Number two. Another thing to know about Ohio State, well, this Buckeye offense will be the best offense Notre Dame will face this year. No disrespect to USC, who has a lot of weapons as well, that they brought in with the help, I think, of some pretty good NILs. But whatever it takes anymore, the skill talent is just off the chart good. C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Travion Henderson over 1,200 yards last year. Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe the best receiver in the country. Marvin Harrison Jr. last year might have been the best reserve in the country. Two guys go to the NFL draft, and Harrison becomes a starter for this Ohio State football team. My guest Spencer Holbrook last hour said this wide receiving core might be even better than last year's wide receiving core. And that's saying something. And oh, by the way, they have two offensive tackles on preseason All-American lists. Number one. And the other thing to know about Ohio State, they might have the best shot to win the national championship from schools that are not in the SEC. Now, you got to beat Notre Dame to make sure you get into the playoff. Now, you have to win all the games. You know what I'm saying. But losing at home to Ohio State could be tough to come back from. But you look at the Buckeyes' schedule. If they beat Notre Dame, next up, Arkansas State. Win. Then Toledo at home. Win. Then another home game against Number 18, Wisconsin. I'll say win. Another home game against Rutgers. A win. Hey, they got to go on the road. October 8th at Michigan State, number 15 of the country. Challenging. I think they figure out a way to win. Home against the Iowa Hawkeyes, October 22nd. Win. October 29th at Penn State. Always tricky in the whiteout. November 5th at Northwestern. November 12th, they take on Indiana in Columbus. Then they go to Maryland, and they wrap up the regular season at home against Michigan. So home against Notre Dame, home against Wisconsin, at Michigan State, at Penn State, home against Michigan. Those are the five games that will decide Ohio State's fate. The other seven games should be no problem at all. And if it is a problem, then forget about it. They're not a national championship contender. But you take a look at the five big games. Three of the five are at the horseshoe. Penn State's not ranked right now. Michigan State is. That'll be a fun game up in East Lansing. So, For my money, taking away the SEC schools, I do believe Ohio State has the best chance to win a national title, not from the conference where, of course, it just means more. That's our My 5 question of the day. 6.20 is our time. Mike Singer coming up next on WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. 625 at WSBT. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you. Earlier this afternoon, I recorded an interview with Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Mike Singer. Had a little technical difficulty on my end, so my quality of audio is not going to be the greatest, but more importantly, Mike sounds 
fantastic because he's got all the nuggets involving Notre Dame football recruiting, including some insight as the Irish look to add on a couple of more skill position players for the class of 2023. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a pretty exciting um, run here th- through the stretch of this uh, this 23 cycle. Uh, Notre Dame's back up to 23 commitments. They were at 23, and then De- Keon Keeley decommitted, uh, and then Armel Mukum, uh, another defensive lineman, um, pledged to the Irish flipping his commitment from Stanford. So they're at 23. You know, we're looking at about four more spots or so, Darren. That's the number that we've been eyeing. And here's the gist of the remaining spots left. Notre Dame would like a Viper. They have four defensive line commits. None of them are are that weak side end, natural pass rush position. So we're looking at that. A wide receiver. Notre Dame's got three committed, but they would like to get to fourth. Um, Notre Dame has, I would say, like 1.5 running backs committed. Um, with um, uh, um, the young man from Washington whose name's escaping me at this moment in time. This is very embarrassing. Jade Lamar, excuse me, um, and Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards being like the half running back because he's uh, just this natural offensive weapon who can play all sorts of positions. And then Jeremiah Love is a player who Notre Dame uh, very much would like to add um, and um, is targeting him and – um, I recently put in a prediction for the Irish to land him. And, um, so we will just kind of have to see where that goes. He, his father told me that they're looking at visiting Notre Dame for the Marshall game, that home opener on, on September 10th. So I think the Irish are looking good for this top hundred player. And I mentioned a fourth receiver, Tayshawn Lyons is a player who I projected Notre Dame to land. So there's, a another potential um, you know, get for the Irish that I, I like Notre Dame for. And then, of course, there's the quarterback position, Darren. And it's like, oh, who, who could that quarterback be? I wrote about this at blueandgold.com on Monday. It's called the Gold Standard, so you'll have to go check it out. It's a dollar for one year to, uh, of access. But I wouldn't – It's this has been a crazy little process here. But I at this point, I would not – rule out at all C.J. Carr, Notre Dame's quarterback commit 2024, reclassing to 2023. That is not off the table. Not that it ever was off the table, but it seemed like it was, and now it's definitely not, if you can catch my drift, Darren. Hmm. Okay. Read all about it. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike, you were on the road last week with high school football underway. And you had the chance to watch in person a 2024 linebacker named Sammy Brown. What were your takeaways? Yeah, Darren, you don't often see just these, you know, massive, you know, 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 225, 230 pound linebackers nowadays. And, you know, they're still sideline to sideline and they're also playing offense and, uh, He's got a mullet. I mean, the, the, he's just a, a phenomenal young man and a great football player. Really likes Sammy Brown. Um, for YouTube audience, uh, have up his highlights on the screen from the game that I took. Um, and, uh, yeah, Darren, I'll talk about him on defense first. The, Jefferson, his team won. It was a blowout. I think it was like 56 to 21 or 28 or something like that. The final score was not as close as the uh, actual game was. It was running clock um, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he played every snap, I believe, on defense. The opposing team, um, which was a top-rated team from South Carolina, but Jefferson stomped on them. They kept the ball as much away from Jeff or excuse me, Brown as much as they could. Um, and uh, this Notre Dame linebacker target, you know, still made an impact on the game. He, I didn't get the clip of it, but he um, picked off a fake punt pass, which I didn't even know he was on the field at that point. And the next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, there's Sammy Brown intercepting this, um, you know, this punter's pass um, made a handful of tackles uh, look good on defense, but again, they really tried to keep the ball on the outsides to keep, um, you know, things away from Sammy Brown making a play. Um, and then on offense, he had four rushing touchdowns, um, I- including one that he broke from, you know, over 50 yards, um, powerful back. So he's definitely a linebacker at the next level, but uh, 
kind of reminds me of Prince Kali, who Notre Dame has um, going into the, his sophomore season. He was outstanding on defense, but you watch him on offense, like, man, sure, this kid's not running back at the next level. I'm just like, yes, no, he's he's a linebacker. Like, let, let, let's 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 calm it down a little bit. And in terms of his recruiting process, Darren, um, it, it, the Southern schools are going to be tough to beat. You know, Georgia, um, South Carolina, Alabama. You know, like all those typical SEC programs going after this kid who's about a half hour from the Athens, Georgia area, um, but. He's going to visit Ohio State for the Notre Dame game, so he'll see the Fighting Irish in person. He visited Notre Dame over the summer. Um, the Irish are, a, I would say, probably a top five contender for him at this point. Really likes James Laurinaitis, Al Gold, and Marcus Freeman, Al Washington, like all these you know, coaches on the Notre Dame staff with this linebacker background. So while Notre Dame is you know, not the first or second school you think of when, when national folks – are looking at Sammy Brown's recruitment, you know, you probably think George is the favorite to get him. I, I do think you've got to keep a close eye on the Fighting Irish. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Since you mentioned the Notre Dame Ohio State game, let me ask you this because right before my show today, uh, Yahoo Sports, Dan Wetzel was a guest on the Colin Coward show, and he was asked about the importance of the first game for Marcus Freeman as Notre Dame head coach, at least during the regular season. Of course, he coached against Oklahoma State. And there was some importance put on the game by the guests, including mentioning a Notre Dame and Ohio State are going after a lot of the same players. Many of those players are going to be at the game. So there is some concern if Notre Dame get blows out, it could be something that Notre Dame could be affected by in recruiting. There are so many things that go into recruiting. Do you think that's a statement that is overblown, or is there something to that? I think the truth has got to lie somewhere in the middle of that, Darren. Um, it's, a, it's a fair point of, um, you know, you don't want to get embarrassed on the national stage, but if you're a good recruiter, what you can say to a player is, that's why we need you, and that's why you can come play right away. Um, so yeah, you would like to win that game, but uh, obviously for recruiting, it would help a lot more, um, than hurt, but yeah, losing it, getting blown out, not great, but it's not a reason to overreact. Um, if if you're a player and your top two is Notre Dame and Ohio state, you're going to pick where you want to go spend the next four or five years, or I guess six months if you just want to transfer, but uh, you're you're going to pick it based on a game that you weren't involved in. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I often don't see players picking off of a single game. It's all about relationships. It's about those visits, the academic component. So yeah, I I mean, yeah, if a kid's going to pick Ohio state over Notre Dame because of the outcome of that game, they probably weren't going to Notre Dame anyways. That's just kind of how I feel. But it's a good chance to make a statement, that's for sure. But, you know, e- even if Notre Dame does go out there and win, it's not going to be like, ah, Notre Dame's going to sign the number one class now in 2023 and or 24. It's, that's not how it works. Standout commitments from last Friday. Did anybody catch your attention? Yeah, uh, Peyton Bowen, uh, five-star Notre Dame safety commits, um, had himself a pick six. And we'll, we'll pop wow. it up on the screen here for – for our YouTube audience, Darren, um, the receiver kind of just runs this um, in breaking a, a little. He comes inside for this hitch route. Peyton Bowen is about. I mean, when the play starts, you you can't even see him on the screen. He's about ten yards away from the receiver. He reads it all the way, um, makes a break on the ball. Um, the quarterback did leave the pass a little bit inside for Bowen to go get it. Um, so he, he didn't do his receiver any favors, but um, really nice break on the ball by Bowen and um, takes it back to the house. I believe it was about 75 yards out. So um, Peyton Bowen, I, I would say, is definitely one, Darren. Uh, in a losing effort, uh, Notre Dame receiver commit Rico Flores still um, had over 100 yards um, receiving. So a fine outing by him again, despite a loss, and then I'll, I'll pop up on the screen. Um, a touchdown run for for Notre Dame 
uh, quarterback commit CJ Carr. Uh, it rolls right, nothing going or nothing doing. Um, wanting to see what's downfield for him, takes off, jukes out a defender, and runs into the end zone for a touchdown. So, and I will actually be um, in the Ann Arbor area on Thursday to watch um, CJ Carr in person. So, looking forward to uh, giving you that report on how it went afterwards, Darren. And as well, you can check it out, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. All right, I'm going to mention a couple of players currently on the Notre Dame roster. And I'm bringing these guys up because they've made a few headlines during fall camp. One of these guys has made, I think, a big splash over the last week or two. And you follow these guys during the recruiting process. So I want to get your take. First off, I don't know how many people thought that cornerback Benjamin Morrison was going to be someone on the field against Ohio State. But right now, Mike, you've got the three veteran corners who are going to be out there a lot. Cam Hart, Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracey. Jaden Mickey has made an impact. Maybe he's not as much of a surprise. I know you've said you're not surprised. But what about Morrison? Mm, it's tricky. Okay, so he was not an early enrollee, right? Um, so that's a little bit of a surprise. Um but then it's like not a surprise because Notre Dame does not have a super deep cornerback room. Um, you know, it's not a surprise because he has such a highly athletic family. His father was uh, an NFL defensive back. So you kind of look at it, it's like, eh, no, that's kind of a surprise. No, that's not. Um, so I, I'm just curious to see, like, little, talk to me after the game, Darren. Let's see how many snaps he does get because I feel like a lot of times – you know, it's like, oh, this guy's going to make a big impact for us in this game. Then he plays like six snaps. It's like, well, a lot of it's coach speak. So let's, let's talk about it after the game. But in terms of him as a player, when I saw him in high school, he looked really good as a cover two safety and looked uh, excellent as a cover corner. So, yeah, that young man can do it all. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what his role is because – Personally, I like Cam Hart and Clarence Lewis out wide. I know a lot of people don't like Clarence Lewis right now, but look, the dude can still play. Just get the Oklahoma State game out of your head. I like Tariq Bracey in the slot. So it's like where and J or and or Jade Mickey. Like if I'm going, if they're if we're playing a dime package here, I like Lewis and Hart outside. Give me Bracey and Mickey in the slot. You know, at, at nickels. Uh, at, at both of those spots, it's like where so where are you playing Ben Morris, and so that's what I'm kind of intrigued to see. I also asked Mike about two other players, receiver Jaden Thomas and offensive guard Rocco Spindler. We're running short on time, so I'll bring back those comments on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat, which begins at 5 o'clock. Sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. For more on recruiting, check out Mike at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Congratulations to Xander Horvath, the Mishawaka Marion and Purdue Boilermaker alum. He made the 53-man roster for the L.A. Chargers today. He'll be their starting fullback this year. Congratulations, Xander. That's going to do it for Sportsbeat. We're back tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball next on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 